It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and today, the Adam Ritz Show is on campus in Statesboro, Georgia. We're on the campus of Georgia Southern University, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for that awesome round of applause as we uh, move on to a game show we like to call the Twitter cast. And we have three volunteers with us right now. What's your name, sir? Ray Stringer. Ray. Okay, Ray. Uh, Ryan Skibicki. Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Samuel Berryman. And Samuel. Hi, can I call you Sam? Sure. Okay, Sam. Ray, Ryan, and Sam. They have their cell phones, they have their Twitter accounts, and they don't know the rules of the game. We're going to explain it right now. I'm going to read their last three tweets live on this nationally syndicated radio show to everybody in the room, in the studio audience, and everybody listening at home on the radio. Don't watch them. Are they deleting? Don't let them. He's looking. Don't delete it, okay? Make sure the front row here, don't let them delete any tweets. Just the last three. I'll read them out loud, and um, the winner gets to know that they're probably going to have a pretty good job someday because that's kind of how this works. When you're posting stuff online and social media, you need to know that this stuff's permanent. It's broadcast to the world, and when you're sitting at home one night, maybe a beer or two, and you post something online at 2 in the morning, you need to know that it might as well just be read out loud on a nationally syndicated radio show. If you see a stupid tweet from an athlete on ESPN, they didn't realize, if they knew ESPN was going to air that tweet, they might not have sent it. We're going to start with Ray. Okay. Here we go, Ray. Where's your... I just retweet a lot. Hey, you know what? He said I retweet a lot. That's fine because um, when you see a Twitter account that says retweets are not endorsements, that's not true. If you're retweeting something, then you found it so you found value in that tweet enough to retweet it to your community. So retweets are endorsements. So your first tweet is from uh, ridiculous ridiculousness fans. Okay, you, you know the, the show on MTV, Ridiculousness. Okay, and it's just a sort of a vine. It's six seconds of somebody dancing like uh, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. So that's pretty good. <laughs> I like that. Okay, that's not bad. Okay. Your second tweet is I from. I thought it was funny. Puns. <laughs> it's a meme of filet mignon. Uh, one of the minions cut up like uh, filet mignon. <laughs> filet mignon. So, okay, that's a great play on words. And if I'm not a Disney fan, I've, you're in, in the running for the job. Well, that's not Disney. That's Universal, isn't it? Okay. And another, another post from Ridiculousness. Okay, you like ridiculousness a lot. They make me laugh. They make you laugh. They make me laugh. And what's Can you describe this video for us? Oh, um, this dude threw like a long like throw in, like a soccer throw in, and he made it all the way in the goal. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, and it says, then the caption is, when your girl comes to watch you play. He throws like 50 yards, throws a soccer ball. (laughs) So those aren't horrible. I will argue that um, you could use your Twitter account to display your high character to the rest of the world. So when you want to get a job interview or a, a summer internship, um, those three tweets didn't harm you, 
but they, they really didn't help you for some human resource director to say, this is the kind of guy we want working here. So if you would tweet more about charity or what your fraternity does to help the community, um, let's just for kicks and giggles here, find one that you actually did write. Do you know how to write? These are all retweets. All of them. All of them are. All of them. All right, we won't mention that one. <laughs> okay, so if I was here yesterday, I would have seen that, and there's no way you're getting a job. But you see what's wrong in that, right? You, you get the picture. Yeah, okay. We, we, this is radio, so I, I'm off the hook, so nobody had to see that. Okay, Ray, thank you very much. You, that's a good B minus. I'll give you C plus, B minus. Okay. Is he deleting? Keep your eye on Sam at the end. He's had plenty of time to delete. Okay, here we go with Ryan now. First of all, your, uh, your Twitter name is... Skibs. At Captain Skibs. I was a sailor. Captain Skibs. I was a sailor. You were a sailor. You like Yacht Rock? Sure, why not? You ever heard of Yacht Rock? No, sir. I'll talk to you off air about Yacht Rock. Okay, Captain Skibs writes, living off my songs these days with a nice picture of you uh, with a dress on carrying a guitar. Yeah, pretty much. That's not a dress. Oh, that, wait, that's... More like, more like, I don't know, like shorts, like... I'm looking good. That's a satchel. That's not a dress. I was yeah. confused. It kind of looks like a miniskirt, doesn't it? A little bit? A little bit? Okay. No. That's cool. So I know you're musical now. You're a man of many talents. Yes, sir. Next tweet from Captain Skibbs. Somebody has my Snapchat info and has decided to change my name every day. It's getting out of control. With an image of your new name, size doesn't matter. <laughs> Is it that easy to take over somebody's Snapchat? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Be honest. Did you write that? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, so size doesn't matter. And then uh, you write adorbs. That's uh, your Halloween costume. No, that's a Sigma Chi in Valdosta. Okay, and it's, he's dressed as what, Mario Brothers? Ma Mario, yeah. Okay. So that's a, that's a good Halloween picture, respectful. And uh, boy, the, the, uh, you know, the uh, size doesn't matter. That's just a little iffy. I'm just talking. If you're, if you're uh, applying for a job with um, Chick-fil-A and they're a very spiritual, religious organization and they look at your last three tweets and all they see is size doesn't matter, maybe they uh, overlook you on, on the job, the the job hunt. That's the way you use it. Then you're like, I don't want to work for Chick-fil-A then, okay? <laughs> okay. Well. All right. So that's, you know what, you're, uh, that's tied. That's a C minus. I don't know. We'll let the audience pick the winner too. How many of these did you delete, Sam? It, my Twitter account got hacked. There's a bunch of like advertisement tweets on there. I was just okay. Anytime you hear someone say my Twitter account got hacked, that means they just put a picture of their penis on their Twitter account. <laughs> Did you do that? No. Okay. I'll be. <laughs> okay. Here's a a tweet from uh, Georgia Southern football. Are you on the team? I work with the team. I'm not on it. Oh, great. So is that a retweet? Yeah. Or you're okay. Only one team in the state of Georgia is bowl eligible. Can you guess who that is? Yep, it's Georgia Southern. Yeah! All right, something to be proud of. And then uh, your second tweet is two wrongs don't make a right. It's an image of um, Pepsi. a Pepsi logo and a Florida Gators logo. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's another retweet, but Pepsi's terrible, Gators are terrible. Two wrongs don't make a right. Two wrongs don't make a right, okay. And then... Yeah. And then um, my we'll go down to this France. one. Here's a, a picture from, you got a friend that plays at Appal Appalachian State? Uh, no, but that's one of the things. Like Georgia I, Southern game. Okay, yeah. so you travel with the team. and yeah. All right, so you're uh, proud of your school, proud of the team you work with. Um, 
little def- defamation of the Florida Gators. So if I, if I went to the University of Florida, maybe I'd be less inclined to give the job interview, but that's one out of a thousand there, right? You're yeah, just, and that's if, worth the risk. If you uh, were alumni of um, Florida University, I wouldn't be wanting to work for you. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, looking at these three young men and these three tweets, I got to say, Ray and Ryan, yours weren't horrible. They weren't awful. Um, but I like the way Sam was proud of his university and proud of his football team. Let's give a round of applause to our winner today, Sam, Georgia Southern University, winner of our Twitter cast. You will definitely get hired if you keep tweeting uh, positive information like that. And I'll just challenge you guys uh, uh, in this campus just to remember that your Twitter account, all your social media platforms, it is a broadcast media channel. It's the best way for you to showcase your character to your future employers down the road, your future uh, job interviewers, your future wife's father, your father-in-law. Do, do you want that guy to see some of the stuff you're tweeting about, like that one picture I, did, I wasn't supposed to see? Delete that sucker right now. So let me uh, thank you guys for playing the game, and let me thank you guys for hosting the Adam Rich Show. Give yourselves one more round of applause. It's the uh, Georgia Southern University Eagles. You can catch up with the Adam Ritz Show online. Podcasts of recent shows, including this one, can be found at adamritzshow.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook slash Adam Ritz Show or follow at Adam Ritz on Twitter. They say if you want to better yourself athletically, you, you play people that are, that are more athletic than you are. So I'm going to throw those cliches into the world of intelligence. They say if you want to seem smarter or be smarter, you hang out with smart people. So that's why we bring this doctor on the show. He's a friend of the show. Welcome back, Dr. Rob Bell. Hello, sir. So you're the, you're the smart one, though, right? Oh, if, if Between the two of us, if I'm the smart one, we are in trouble. There's a lot of people in trouble. Dr. Rob Bell, I know you're comfortable with me calling you Rob. So from this point forward, we'll just call you Rob. Uh, we bring you back on the show. We've had you on to talk about mental conditioning, um, especially in the world of sports psychology and how that applies to just everyday normal people walking the earth and listening to this uh, radio broadcast. You have a new book out, and we bring you back on the show to talk about this new book called Don't Should on Your Kids. Tell us about the book. Right. Well, first thing is don't say the title three times fast. Because <laughs> the third time you'll get in trouble. That's exactly it. <laughs> and I, I wanted, you know, I'm a little bit embarrassed, but, you know, I've worked with athletes, coaches, and teams for over 15 years on mental toughness. And the part that I really missed was just being able to help parents empower their kids on how they can build their mental toughness. And that's why I wrote the book and, and you know, really excited about it. So uh, should, yeah, that's a tough word. Uh, you say it three times fast. Uh, the third time might not be should. Don't should on your kids. So the cover of the book for our listeners that can't see it, you've got two parents, a man and a woman with megaphones, and they're screaming through the meg- megaphones. So um, I, I can assume the title means, you know, don't 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 overly aggressively scream at your kids that they should be doing this and should be doing that. Is that the, the genesis of it? And, and the reason why is because I think the most important skill that, that kids can develop, especially in sport, because sport teaches whatever we want it to teach. And we want them to develop that passion. We want them to love what they're doing because it's really hard to be driven when you're being driven. And I think parents feel the need that they've got to be doing the driving because if they don't get it, then their kids aren't going to get it. And that's just not how it works. It works by, you know, allowing kids to experiment different sports, allowing them to fail, and then I'm allowing them to succeed. And that's the way that, that we, you know, get passionate about things. And, and that's why we shouldn't should on our kids. 
Now, your book mentions uh, two kinds of parents, and uh, we don't want to give away uh, all of the gold inside here because we want to sell a few of these copies, but give us uh, a few, I guess, commercials, a couple trailers from the movie. Uh, what are the two kinds of parents? Sure. The, well, the two types of parents are vicarious parents and then supportive parents. And the supportive parents are those that live with their kid, and the vicarious parents are those that live through their kid. And you can always tell the vicarious parents because they're not the ones that are cheering from the sidelines. They're the ones that are coaching from the sidelines. And they live and die off of rankings and winning and statistics. And what vicarious parents do is they just they maximize their short term and they just minimize the long term. Where the supportive parents are the opposite. They really stress all the wonderful skills that I think we can get out of sport. You know, the perseverance, the persistence, the goal setting, the confidence, the communication, the leadership. Sport teaches whatever we want to teach, and I think supportive parents do just such a better job about that. Now, and I'm, I think all parents mean well, and that's why I wrote the book, is because I wanted to give them some skills and strategies they could apply. So with those descriptions, and, and I'm a parent myself, and I certainly would rather be a supportive parent, that's the one that sounds more attractive and, and sounds like it'd be the best for your kids. Uh, the vicarious parent, although... Of the two options, that sounds worse to me. Is there still some good, uh, some good in there? Some good being a, a vicarious parent that, that is into the stats and the winning and pushing and living through their kid. I mean, is there some good there? I think you set me up for the question there. I mean, the, this is the way that I see it: is is you know, sport. We've got to allow our kids to experience the failure, and I think with the vicarious part is they want it more than the kid wants it. And if we've ever talked to any coach that that's the biggest route to frustration is if we want it more than what the kid wants it, it's just not going to work. The relationship's going to be tough. And I think, you know, when it comes to coaching, it's a little bit different than parenting. And sometimes I think the parents feel that they need to be the coach. And I think that's when the relationship gets messed up. Dr. Rob Bell is our guest, author of Don't Should on Your Kids, Build Their Mental Toughness. Uh, new book out on Amazon. We'll get to uh, how you can get a copy of it, an ebook, and all the uh, the downloads uh, here in a minute. But uh, we'll talk more about uh, some of the things inside the book. On the uh, list here on the back, some of the things inside. Uh, one of the um, descriptions that's popped out at me. I use the word "pop" because it says how a blow pop can help during an actual competition. So I got to ask, how does a blow pop, a charm, uh, the sucker with the gum inside, right? That's right. How does a blow pop? help during an actual competition? So in this book, I mean, we interviewed over 105 coaches on strategies and techniques and, and what they see as the biggest problem. And, and this was from one of the umpires. And one of the umpires said that he would bring, you know, a bag of blow pops. And when parents started to get rowdy from the stands, he would give it to a coach and they would give it to the parents. And at first they didn't quite understand it. So they would just suck on the blow pop. And right away that quieted them down. <laughs> So here's the reason why a blow pop can help during actual competition is we get fired up when we watch. Like, we want the absolute best. And I call it the lion's den of when we're watching uh, our kid or anyone play sports. And there's an the energy to it, and I think that's the part that we love. And if we just if we just know that we can't control ourselves, then have a blow pop with us or give it to our, our spouse to give to us if we start getting over the top. But even if we have that blow pop, you know, we've got to be able to take it out. And it's just a reminder us to... Hey, keep it calm, and then, you know, if we can't say anything, then just have the blow pop in our mouth. I'm going to do that with the next 
argument I have, altercation, conversation I have that's not going in my favor, I'm just going to pull a sucker out of my pocket and give it to the person. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll start sucking and stop talking. That's the strategy. Okay. The blow pop. I love it. I love it. And it tastes good. And, uh, and, there's, and I assume it would work also with a Tootsie Roll pop. It doesn't have to be gum in the middle, right? Tootsie Roll? That, that or that or a ring pop or ring push pop. pop sure. Yeah, okay. Push pop if it's, uh, if it's not going to melt too fast. Uh, Dr. Rob Bell is our guest and uh, he's got some great ideas on mental conditioning and competition and sports. And his new book is Don't Shoot on Your Kids. Um, what's, the, what's the thing in here about, uh, I've heard about the, the car ride home what is the car ride home you know sport i think if we think about like back in the day back in the day was probably 10 years ago it it wasn't in the 90s or like that i mean that's how fast i think things have sometimes even gotten out of control and this book was intended to help parents and the one thing i really wanted to help them out with was the car ride home because i've seen it ruin more relationships between a parent and a kid more than anything and it sucks the love out of the sport more than anything can happen. And here's why. is because when they're driving home from the game, and nowadays it's the practice, it's like a metal coffin for them. Like the kid can't escape, and they can't breathe. And the only thing that they hear is, hey, why did you make that play, and, and you should have done this. The conversations don't go well, and the parent and the kid starts dreading this car ride home. Mm-hmm. They'll get anxious about it. So the one way that a parent can really help their kid is to not talk about anything about the game on the car ride home. Set up a time at home when everyone is cool, calm, and collected. The parent's message is going to get across a lot easier, and there's going to be actually a dialogue, a conversation that goes on. And they are not going to dread the car ride home. And, and the conversation is going to be better, and that's really going to save so many relationships between parents and their kids. Is that something you uh, found through research, all these coaches you've talked to and parents, or, or something you experienced uh, yourself as a kid, you remember it, or, or with your own children? How did that car ride home theory come up? Well, I've had it employ, you know, this is the thing. Like, when my kid was riding home, like, I really had good things I wanted to say. And my wife reminded me, said, like, look, it's, we're not talking about it on the car ride home. We've got to talk about it at home. And when we got home, I forgot what I wanted to say. <laughs> I really did. I forgot. I was like, what was that one point about that, you know, in the second quarter there? And I forgot. And because, again, I'm just stressing the short term so much that, hey, why is my kid in sport? What is the goals I wanted to get out of it? Because I just think sports is just such an awesome, you know, it's fun, but it's just such an awesome vehicle for life. Have you ever, uh, on the car ride home, maybe your wife's not there, you want to say something, but you don't, do you ever, do you ever self-blow pop? Well, that's right, yeah. We'll, you we'll pull just, one out of your own pocket, put it in your mouth, because you know you don't want to talk. Well, we'll just turn up the music. <laughs> just turn up the music. Dr. Rob Bell is our guest. You're a, uh, an expert in the field of mental conditioning and sports psychology. This is, uh, how many books do you have out now? This was our fourth book that okay. came out. So, so, so now uh, on your, your business card, it says author. Uh, how do you like being an author? How, how's that going? I, I really just love being able to get the message across. And I love mental toughness. I love everything about it. And it's the only thing when I wake up in the morning that, you know, that I'm so passionate about is how can we just get 1% better each and every day. And, and part of that is just with the mental game. So I just love sharing the message. And how do our listeners uh, find out more about how they can get this book in their hands? Don't should on your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Amazon's always the best. You know, they've got the ebook, hardcover, paperback, or uh, on, my web, on my website, it's drrobbell.com, or Twitter, it's uh, just at drrobbell. And it's spelled exactly how you're hearing it, Rob Bell, uh, at drrobbell on Twitter. 
drrobbell.com on the internet. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. I'm smarter now just for hanging out with you. You want to be smarter, you hang out with smart people like Dr. Rob Bell. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. Don't should on yourself. (laughs) Don't say that three times fast either. That's right. Hey, this is Jeff Saturday. You're listening to The Adam Rich Show. The show continues from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I'm on the campus of the University of Alabama, and we are lucky enough to have with us Ginger Gilmore. Hi, Ginger. How are you? I'm good, Adam. Thanks. Thanks for uh, joining us. This is the uh, holy ground of college football. This is uh, not only the athletic department with the Crimson Tide, but we are inside the football facility of the Alabama Crimson Tide. And Ginger Gilmore works closely with uh, the coaches and student athletes. Um, in what capacity? I am the director of behavioral medicine and athletic trainers. So from head to toe, in and out, I'm working with these guys and coaches too. So as a sports doctor, that's what I'll call you because okay. I'm not that smart. I'm a C I student. Like a doctor. Um, you're taping ankles and hydration, I'm sure, is important. It's very hot. Training camp in Alabama, it's hot. It's, uh, Hydration is important. So outside of the medical stuff that you do with these guys, you also probably deal with um, drug or alcohol issues as well and maybe even education. I do handle all the drug and alcohol education um, and make sure that we have programming for that. We make sure that we have uh, classroom education as well, and we have speakers come in like you. Well, I appreciate you having me here. I always have a great time with you and Coach Saban. Um, and these guys, they're like superheroes, the 25-inch necks. They're just great guys. And um, you can say what you want about elite college athletes. And, and um, if you think they're uh, entitled or if they're jerks, they're not. I mean, especially the more successful the teams that I meet, the, the nicer the guys are. So right, let me ask you right off the bat, as a, as a female um, in, a, in a male-dominated world, Uh, Talk about them as gentlemen. Well, they are from 17 to 24. That's our uh, end of the age groups on both directions. It's a a huge time in their life to learn and to grow and to put in place what their demographics have taught them until they got here and then add all the character development and all of the life skills and all of the experiences that they get while they're in college here. And it comes from Coach Saban. He wants these young men to have the best opportunities once they leave here. And he is going to grow them up and teach them and require a great deal from them while they're here. So working as a female in an opposite gender sport, as an athletic trainer, plus um, adding the psychology, psychiatry, and counseling, and all of the other things, um, I don't have a problem with this. Coach put me in this position for a reason, because they need someone that they can turn to when things go wrong that don't necessarily have to be um, uh, eat nails and go punch through a wall. So that's my role here. And the men are gentlemen. And if they're not, it only takes one time to remind them, and then they won't make any any <laughs> kind of <laughs> mistake after that. So nobody wants to get on Coach Saban's bad side, uh, or, or Ginger's. Uh, we're we're speaking with Ginger Gilmore. She's um, for my uh, small brain. We'll just call her the. She's the team doctor for the uh, Crimson Tide uh, Alabama football team. And uh, do you travel with the team? Are you on the away games? Everything. You're right there on the sidelines. I do travel. I'm not the team doctor, but I have been called the team mom, team mom. but officially athletic trainer and director of behavior medicine. But I do travel, and uh, that's the fun part 
it's uh, Saturday is why we put in all these long hours and why we work seven days a week and we don't have holidays. It's for Saturday because when the team comes out of the tunnel and you've worked so hard as a collective group and you've sweated and you've bled together and you've cried together and uh, then you come out and you're ready to just play somebody else and you dominate that opponent, that's what it's all about. When you are on the road, um, or even at home for that matter, early September in Alabama, it's hot. You can always count on a player cramping up. When we as, as football fans and TV fans, when we're watching the games on television and a player cramps up on the field, there's two or three people from the staff run out, hold his leg, bring him some water. Is that you? That is me. I'm the one <laughs> with the ponytail and the hat. And, you know, we do so much to prevent dehydration um, that sometimes it, it actually works to our favor in competition. So that's one of our, our secret weapons is how much that we do to prevent dehydration and to make sure these guys are acclimated and in shape before we get to Saturday. So there you go for our listeners. Next time you're watching the Alabama Crimson Tide football, when you see a player go down with a cramp or a injury, um, Ginger Gilmore is the one in the ponytail that runs out, that uh, does the signature move where you put one hand on their shoulder and the other hand on their hip, and you say, are you okay? Or what's the, what's the standard question? Everybody wishes they were on the field to hear what you say. What do you say? What happened, man? <laughs> What happened, man? And you hope they can answer, because if they can't answer, then you're in trouble. Sometimes I have to say, please let go of my shirt. <laughs> well, we like talking to uh, athletic departments and, and coaches and um, team doctors and uh, athletic Train. trainers, athletic trainers and physicians about uh, some of the behind-the-scenes action with a football team and, and student-athletes and how involved they are with their community. Um, I know you were on campus when the tornado came through Tuscaloosa. All the football players got involved. Uh, here recently, they do a lot with Habitat for Humanity. Uh, I'm sure there's other maybe 5Ks or golf outings throughout the year, um, holiday, um, feed-the-hungry type things. Can you talk about some of the, uh, I guess, community service projects that these guys do here at Alabama? One of my favorite things that we do that people don't know about is on Thursdays of practice week, we have practice inside, and we always invite um, special needs terminal children to come to practice. Wow. And this is all through Miss Terry. She will communicate with Linda Leone, and they will take requests. And there are, it's heartbreaking how many requests we have from terminally ill children. And sometimes terminally ill adults um, or adolescents. And they will come, and we will not promote this in any way with the players. But the players know if you're there, it's very special. And if you are at practice, then you have a terminal illness. So I don't have to coach them up. No one does. The players will come over, and they'll meet the child, meet the family, take a picture, sign autograph. And, and that's not you know promoting anything but you know, goodwill towards others. So it makes you so proud to be a part of this program when you see this unprovoked uh, humanity from guys that will go and smash against another team on Saturday. And it really brings tears to your eyes how genuine they are. It's humbling, and it's good to know. And I'm glad that we've got a platform here for our listeners to know that um, these football players aren't just 
25-inch neck guys that smash the the opponent. They're doing good. They're doing great work, and they're making a difference in their community. So we thank you for that story. Uh, before I let you go, Ginger Gilmore with uh, Alabama football. Um, let's have a little bit of fun and tell me your most favorite Alabama Crimson Tide football story, on the field or off. Well, uh, people don't know this, but I was the first female student athletic trainer at, in the history of Alabama football. So the only female out there at all times uh, as an undergrad student. Well, one morning I did not wake up in the sorority house on time. And uh, when I did arise, I looked at my clock. I was already 30 minutes late for practice. So I had this flood of impending doom fall upon me. Uh-huh. And I just got up, got dressed, ran to practice ran to the indoor facility because practice had started, opened up the door slowly, and it made such a loud noise. (laughs) Coach Stallings was our head football coach at the time. Everybody stopped, turned, looked at me, walking in, the only female there, late. And after that, I was never late again and haven't been, but I got the nickname of Sleeping Beauty after that. (laughs) So I was terribly embarrassed. It was horrible, and I was not a good representative of female athletic training at that time. And that would be a nightmare that I had with Alabama football. And you're you're still known as Sleeping Beauty all these years later? What year was that, or how long ago was that? That was uh, probably... 89 or 91. Oh, wow. So you've been constantly since then, you've been on the staff here at Alabama? No, you've left. Okay, where where'd you, where have you been? Where's your travels? Well, I went and got a degree from Northwestern State University in Natchitoches, Louisiana, Go Demons, Forkham. And then <laughs> that was my first job. So I worked there, and uh, it was a great experience. loved it. And then I came back here, and uh, it's a great place to be. Congratulations for that longevity and uh, your success here and the team. And I'm glad, most glad about that story you told about the kids uh, I call them kids because I'm so old now. The, your, your players, your student athletes that work with the terminally ill, uh, special needs children. That's amazing to hear. Thank you again, Ginger Gilmore, for all of your efforts and for appearing on our show. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. And we want to see you back here, and we appreciate you coming to spend time with us. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.